You're listening to the Colby Connections podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, or if you just need somebody to talk to, please connect with us at wfcog.com. Enjoy. We need each other, don't we? That's one of the words I want you to think about. When we walk through some of the stuff that you've heard before, and I've shared with you before, but that's one of the most powerful words that you can really live by and understand because life gets hard. Life gets difficult. There's going to be times that things happen when you don't really see it coming. That's what happens. That's why life is so unexpected and unexpected things can happen. And so one of the things about having a group around you, you've already prepared for that before that takes place. So this morning we're talking about how we become disciples, how we become followers of Jesus. And over and over again in the Word of God, we notice Jesus telling us that this level of discipleship is really next level. It's, it's making a decision. It's making a determination. Jesus says, you'll be my disciples when you love each other, when you obey my commandments, and when you do the things that I'm asking you to do. So in discipleship, we're making that choice to be the people that God has called us to be. But here's the beauty of that. We can't be God's people or fulfill the calling that he has for us individually just by ourselves. We need each other. That's why in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all of the others. Now, here's something I want to tell you, and I want you to really just bury this deep down. God hardwired you for relationships. He hardwired you to do life together with someone else. You need that group support and that group around you. As a matter of fact, uh, God never intended any of us to live our lives in isolation. Now, isolation's easy. We have to struggle against that. We have to fight against that because when you open your life up to others in your group, what's, what you're doing is you're being vulnerable. It's hard to be vulnerable. Would you agree with me? Would you believe I told you as a pastor, I find it sometimes hard to be vulnerable with other people. But I'm not telling you to do something I don't do. I have a group in my life, a couple of groups in my life, that I can be open and I can be vulnerable with. And they love me and they pray for me and they bear the burden sometimes that I bring to them because they understand we all need that, every one of us. Now, there's really five reasons why you and I need a group of disciples in our life. <clears throat> I'm going to work through these. I know what the time is, and we're going to have peace with the pastor here in a few minutes. But I think it's really important that I hit the highlights here on these five reasons why every one of us need people in our lives. First of all, I need people in my lives because I need others to walk with me. I need other people to walk with me. I need you to help me grow spiritually. You need to be able to look at someone in your group and say, I need you to help me grow spiritually. There's some things I can't do by myself or on my own. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it's Paul who says, just as you receive Christ Jesus, uh, the Lord, so walk in him. So in other words, the Bible compares our Christian life, our Christian walk as a journey or a walk. It's an adventure. Sometimes it gets scary. Sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's moments when you and I think, wow, it can't get any better. And then there's other times we think, man, it can't get any worse. And so when we walk on this journey together, we need folks walking along beside of us. The New Testament tells us we're told to walk in wisdom. We're told to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. But one of the key ways that God tells us to walk is to never walk 
alone. I want you to say that with me. Never walk alone. Now look at the person sitting beside you and ask them, are you walking alone? Are you walking alone? Now some say, Pastor, what's wrong with walking alone? Now I'm talking to many of my introverts here this morning. And I do know there are introverts among us. I see you. I see you panic if we start talking too much or if you think about standing up in front of an audience, right? I I see my introverts start wiggling and getting uncomfortable. Now, when I first started in ministry in 1993, 23, I went to a church one time. It was located somewhere a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And one of their traditions was, if you were new in the church, they would just call you out. Hey, we see someone new. We don't know you. Stand up. Tell us your name. Where are you from? Right there among all of a group of people. Now, some of you introverts just started breaking a sweat. I see you. Because many times we think to ourselves, why can't I just do this alone? Well, let me give you some reasons why. First of all, you don't have to do it in front of 100, 200 people. But you do need several people around you. Five, ten people around you. It's safer when you walk with others. First of all, it's safer when you and I know the person that we're walking with. And just like physically, if you're in a new place, if you're walking down a dark alley or in the dark woods, I'm going to be honest with you, I like someone beside of me. How about you? Right? I, I just do. Same is true spiritually. When I walk through difficulties in life, I like to know there's someone walking through that with me. So it's safer to walk with someone through life. It's also supportive. Man, this is so important, guys. It's supportive. It means that you build a network in your life of people you can depend on, you can trust in. When you get discouraged and you get down and you get tired, you know what they're doing? They're giving you the coaching cues. Come on, let's go. Keep going. Hang in there. God's got this. You can do it. Supportive. I love the Zambian proverb. I've used this before, but I love this proverb. It says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. See, we need to run together. Do you have someone you're running together with? Because when you get tired, they're going to stop and rest with you. When you catch your second wind, they're going to be there beside of you. But we go further together. And by the way, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's long-term. Also, it's, only, it's smarter to have someone around you in your group. It's just smart to have a few close friends by because you know what you do? When you get people around you and they're close to you, you have to learn how to get along with other people. Now, I don't know why we're talking about that. We are in the church, right? <laughs> I mean, this comes natural, right? Well, not really. See, there's what's called EGRs, and I've told you about those folks. You know what EGR is? Extra grace required. Now, if you don't know anyone like that, you're probably one. <laughs> what does that mean, Pastor? That means you help us grow. <laughs> we love you. All right, you're going to have EGRs, you're not, but you got to have to learn to get along with other people. Genesis 2, verse 18. God looked when he created Adam and the beauty of the Garden of Eden, and he said these words, It is not good for man to be alone. Now, that's always amazed me. He is looking at the perfect creative order. Absolute perfection, right? The Garden of Eden. And he looks down and said, there's something wrong. What's wrong? Adam's alone. Adam's alone. He needs someone in his life. Now, God's antidote to that is he gives us a family. He gives us a physical family 
who helps us grow, who raises us, who disciples us. And then eventually we have that spiritual family. The beautiful thing about that spiritual family is they stay with us forever. They're with us here in this life. They're with us in eternity. In Hebrews chapter 10, let's don't forget what uh, the writer says. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Notice it's a habit. Let's not forget the habit of meeting together on the Lord's day, of worshiping together. And as we do that, what we're doing is we're encouraging one another. Now, we're not encouraging each other here this morning because we're not in community. We're really in a crowd. It's hard for you to encourage folks in a large room, in an auditorium with a lot of people, right? But when you have about five or ten people there, it's easier to encourage them, you see? So we worship together. We don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. But then at the same time, to encourage each other, it has to happen in a much smaller group. You see, guys, community is God's answer to loneliness. It's God's answer to loneliness. He's telling us this morning that if we're lonely, then we need someone to be walking with us. And here's what I want you to realize. You can't learn community without being in community. Now, there's two ways you can do groups here in our congregation. The first one is what's called affinity groups. These are great. They're both, both groups are great. These are awesome. I've known a lot of people who like to play <clears throat> pickleball. They like to hike. They like to walk. They like activities. They like to crochet, book clubs, games. And I could go on and on. I can't remember them all. But we have groups of people who do that, and that's entry-level groups. You find an affinity, someone who likes to do the things you do, and you start walking together. Now, those leads into discipleship groups. There's discipleship groups on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, on Wednesday evening, on various times throughout the week. And especially in the time we're coming up on February the 18th, that is our group session together for discipleship. I want to encourage you to be a part of that group. Find a group. We'll help you do that. Becky Holland is the group's maestro. She will find someone to help get you together and begin to grow in the Lord. That's what we want for you, okay? It's only nine weeks. You can do it. You can do it, I promise. Also, I need others in my life to work with me. I need others to work with me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, God made us to do good works which he planned in advance for us to do. Now, what does that say? That means God had a plan for your life before you ever were born. Isn't that powerful? I most people say, Pastor, are you kidding me? No, it's true. And when you find out what that goal is, how God has blessed you and gifted you, when you use that to meet the needs of someone else, we call that ministry. We call it service. Now, people get a little antsy when I call it ministry because they think that means I'm a minister. Well, yeah, you are really. Now, I'm not saying you're going to preach or teach necessarily, unless that's your calling, but you're a minister. So what does that mean? That means we serve. By the way, the greatest ministers among us are servants. The greatest ministers among us will be servants. Where do you get that from, Jesus? He said, think not the Son of Man has come to be served, but to serve others. And give my life a ransom for many. So that's that whole part of that. Now, guys, I want to tell you something. One of the most freeing concepts I've ever discovered in my life is that God never meant for you and me to go through life working and walking alone. When you don't have someone helping you, you get tired. You get fatigued. You get wore out. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says two people are better than one because uh, they get more done by working together. 
In other words, you get more done as a team than you do as an individual. So God's, uh, so community is God's answer for fatigue. It keeps you from getting worn out. It keeps you from getting tired. Why? Because you got other people helping you. Think about the Amish when they build a barn. Have you ever seen an Amish barn raising? It, it is a phenomenal thing. So everybody comes out in this community right at daybreak. There's materials here. There's a great empty space there. And then they start. And man, every person has one job. And they start doing that job until the light is leaving at the end of the day and there's a barn standing there where there wasn't one. Now, if you watch that in time-lapse, you can find these on YouTube and and do it on a time-lapse that goes quickly. And it is incredible to see those people moving like little ants and here this barn goes up and it's finished. It's crazy. But one of the things I focus in on is there's one person doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And if he gets tired, someone brings him a drink. If he gets hungry, someone brings him a sandwich. But he keeps doing it over and over. And I thought, man, that's what it looks like when we serve and we do life together. We need people working with us. Number three, I need people to watch out for me. If you don't believe that, ask Michelle. I talk about people that will watch over you, that will watch out for you, that will help you. Someone that can have those difficult conversations with you at the moment in time you need it most. You see, sometimes you and I need someone to tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. Ouch. Philippians 2, 4 says, look out for one another's interests, not just your own. That's a countercultural verse. It really is. It's a verse that runs countercultural. Why? Because so often we have people say, uh, it's all about me. I got to watch out for me. But the scripture says, no, no, no. We need to watch for others. And so in your groups, you have an accountability group that you speak into each other's lives and they hold you lovingly accountable, right? It's like when you're going away on vacation, you want to make sure your neighbors are watching out for your stuff. I live in a great neighborhood, by the way. I really do. All I have to do is tell Sister Marge Palmer I'm going to be away on Lafayette Drive. And guess what Marge is going to do? She's going to watch. Same is true of my other neighbors, right? We're a community. And you know what we do? We watch, and I watch Marge's house as much as she does mine. If there's somebody over there I don't know or a car that I'm not familiar with, I just keep my eye on things. Why do we do that? Because we're neighbors. So when I'm walking with someone in a group, and I notice that they don't show up on Sunday morning, or I notice their attitude has changed and different, or if I notice there's a coldness in their spirit, if I notice they're not coming to group meeting or not part of our serving in our community, I'm going to stop and I'm going to have a conversation with them and say, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? That's what it means to lovingly watch over other people. You see, we have to ask, ask this question, is there anybody in your life who helps you stay on track spiritually? Is there anyone in your life who's helping you stay on track spiritually. These are people who will walk in and say, listen, I notice you're tired and I notice you're discouraged and I notice there's issues you're dealing with, but you're not alone. I'm here for you. How can I help? Let me carry this for you. Let me help you with this. Let me pray over you. And guys, that is a game changer in your life. You need that. I need that. Hebrews 13.1 says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. And now that word keep Watching over someone literally means that we're watching constantly and consistently. It means we're not just going to watch one moment and then walk away. Do you know what it's like? It's like when soldiers are bivouacked, 
They're on maneuvers and they're, they're having some R&R. Do you know they don't all just go to sleep? They have guard duty. They have sentry duty, right? How many served in the military and you know that, right? Do you know that's kind of like what our group is like? Because there's times that people in your group are going to get tired. They've gone through stuff. They've gone through issues. And they need someone to watch over them and let them have some R&R. Let them have some time to recoup and what's going on in their life. And they need you to watch over them and pray over them. And listen, folks, we all need encouraged. How many here needs encouragement? I have never in my life, since I've been pastoring almost 30 some, about 32, 3 years, I've never had someone come to me and say, these people are just encouraging me so much, I wish they'd leave me alone. Never done that. I've never done that. You want to know why? Every one of us needs encouragement. Someone needs to walk beside of you, if not weekly, at least bi-monthly, and put their arm around you and say, it's going to be okay. We're, we're in this together. You're, you're not alone. Community is God's answer to defeat. Community is God's answer to defeat. When you feel down, you've got a community there that lifts you up and that picks you up. But also, guys, I need others, number four, to wait with me and to weep with me. I need people to wait with me and to celebrate with me. You see, it's both, isn't it? It really is. Two reasons we have community together is to wait with them and to weep with them. You see, this life has what I call inevitabilities. It is inevitable that you are going to face circumstances in your life. I'll give an example. There are going to be times in your life when someone's family member is in a desperate surgery that could go either way. Doctors are not given any hope. That person should never be by themselves. There's those moments in the inevitability when there's a, a mother who's dealing with a problem pregnancy. She's waiting for test results from the lab. She should never be alone. Can I get an amen? There are moments when people are standing by the edge of a grave and they should never stand there alone. Are you with me? The inevitability of life says we need people around us because tragedy is going to come. And the time we need people in our lives is before that happens. You see, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. You are going to have loved ones die. You are going to go through tragedy. You are going to have bad health news given to you. You're going to find out one day that you're dying. And you need other people that will come around you in those moments, that'll be that family that will stick closer to you than your own physical family. It's a safety net, it's what it is. And the time to get that safety net in your life is before the inevitabilities of life happen. Do you know what God's safety net is? Can anyone guess? It's a group. <laughs> it's a smaller group of people who's going to walk with you and love you. And when the bad news comes, guess who the first phone calls and the text messages or the visits come from? The very people that you've walked closest together with. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, You should be like one big happy family full of sympathy and love toward one another. You see, community is God's answer to despair. I love this one. It's God's answer to despair. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Can I, can I have one in? Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Hug those who are crying. Walk with those who've lost their way. 
You see, here's what happens so many times in the church, and this is why we need someone watching over us. Many times watching and weeping with us, waiting and weeping with us, is because you're going to have discouragements in your life, and you're going to be asking yourself this question, do I even want to continue to walk in the faith? Why do you say that, Pastor? Because we have an enemy who knows exactly how to hit you right where it hurts. And the Satan, listen, Satan doesn't show up in your life in this red costume with horns and a pitchfork and say, gotcha. That's easy to defeat someone like that. All you need is concealed carry. That's easy. You know that? That's not the way Satan shows up. Not at all. You know he shows up? Habits that are destroying your life. Addictions that pull you away from strong relationships. Troubles that you didn't see coming. Relationships that are going south. Grudges that you continue to carry. I don't have to go any further, do I? You see, I need someone in my life who when they see that, they love me enough to put their arm around me and say, listen, let's talk about this. Let's work through this. You see, you need a tribe. You need a group. You need a community that you can be real with who will walk with you, love you, and care for you. Last but not least, another reason I need people in my life is I need others to witness with me. This is powerful. I love this one. I need others, number five, to witness with me. Pastor, what does that mean? It's in John chapter 6, 13. That Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet, showing them how they needed to serve one another. He's just instituted the, the Lord's Supper so that they would always remember what the bread and the cup represents. And then before he turns to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and eventually face his passion, Jesus says these words, A new commandment I give to you. The disciples are like, oh my goodness. You see, God had given them ten commandments. And from the time the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to the last rabbi who taught uh, in the synagogues, there was about 490 plus other commandments tacked onto that. So here they are thinking, another one. Oh, okay, Lord, what is it? I want you to love one another. Because when you love one another, then the world will know you're my disciples. Let that linger for a moment. Don't, don't run too quick. How do people know that you and I are followers of Jesus Christ? Jesus said, he didn't say, a new commandment I give to you that you love God. Or a new commandment I give to you that you love me, your Lord and Savior. He didn't say a new commandment I give you that you love the church or your denomination or your favorite TV preacher or your fill in the blank. Jesus said the way people who are unbelievers who have never tasted of the goodness of God. People who have never known what it's like to be saved and redeemed. They see him best in how we relate with each other. How we pray for one another. How we live together. How we do life in community, in a life group. I need you and me to be able to show the world how much we love each other and how much we care for each other. You want to know why? Because what the world is looking for, listen to me carefully, and I'm talking to Generation Z right now. 
I'm talking to the 27 and other under crowd. Here's what we know that they're looking for. They are not looking for more rules and regulations. They're not looking for more absolutes. You know what they're looking for? Someone that will really show them what it's like when Jesus' love lives in your life and how it impacts the way you live. That's what they're looking for because it's real. It's genuine. It's there. They don't have to wonder, well, do they love each other? Yeah. Are they Jesus' disciples? Yes, they are. Why? Because look at how well they're serving each other. Because deep down in their hearts, you know what they're thinking? That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Our generation today, especially our younger generation today, guys, listen, they're not looking for more independence. They're not looking for financial independence and social independence and, and, and career independence. What they're looking for is interdependence. They're looking for someone who will walk with them, who will love them, and who will be with them. And that's why in our groups together, we reflect the love of Jesus better than anywhere else. Lord, I know, God, that in this moment, Father, you have been with us in a tremendous way. Lord, I pray that what I have said would be an amen to the message that David just shared with this congregation. On this video, Lord, I recognize that was the message for us today. And I just want to reinforce, Father, how all of us need that. And Lord, it, it takes such an act of obedience and vulnerability to just walk among a group of people. Maybe we, we don't know that well. And maybe we've just met them for the first time, and, and they're there, and they're believers, and they're followers of Jesus. And God, we're, we're learning and struggling and growing together. And Lord, that, it takes vulnerability. And I know, God, it, it, it takes time. It takes commitment. But Lord, I pray we would see the results. Lord, just at how good we can learn and grow, and our lives can be blessed when we live life together. Father, I pray you'll move during our time right now. Lord, if there's anyone who just is thinking right now, I want to pray. I, I want to talk to God. I want to ask the Lord to help me be strong and to find that group that God would have me to be and to bring me together with those group of people who will love me and help me grow as a disciple. Father, I pray they would just be obedient to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow Winchester First Church of God on Facebook for live broadcasts and updates. We'll have another episode here for you soon, so stay tuned. Have a blessed day.